Welcome to episode four of Talking Dairy City, everywhere we go. Uh, I'm Simon Collins and joining me is my journal colleague, Kevin McLaughlin. Kevin, you haven't uh, been poached by BBC, you know, you were looking for a match of the two presenter, I think, you know, but... Uh, I like the way you threw a match of the <laughs> and then stumbled on the two there, you couldn't even <laughs> the top stuff there, but no, funny enough, uh, I didn't get that phone call. But like everybody that was sort of working with the BBC the weekend, nobody got a wee phone call, they all says we're, we're back in Gary and rightly so. Yeah, they all stood down, solidarity, I like it. Uh, well, there's no, there'll be no question your impartiality anyway. You're the ultimate professional, as we see at the brand of well, match 100%. days. 100%. Match nights, if there's a goal at 10, they ask you what time it's at. Nothing to do with me if sort of pump <laughs> me first with a goal or something, but no, I normally ask you what time the goal went on. Well, thank God we've still got you and we've still got your services for an hour we wait before, before anybody else gets themselves in the hot water and Twitter or anything, you know, but... Um, I suppose we can go straight on the action. We'll talk about the the, the draw, the scoreless draw, Derry and Dundalk Friday night, the Brandywell. Uh, I think the consensus was a frustrating night in terms of how the game went, the second half in particular. Um, it's been a while we've seen Dundalk coming up and be under the cars for, for such a sustained period of time. And, and Stevie O'Donnell afterwards admitted that he was happy to get out of there with a, with a point. Oh, he was he was delighted. The only thing that was sort of probably annoying from Derry City's point of view was he didn't take a shepherd that much. He didn't have many big saves to make. Uh, their defence and the ball in particular used the experience and they were he, tight at the back. McGonagall had a half chance the first half. His touch probably then down. Then he, he shot away and shepherd saved it. He had a header. It was just off target. Second half, he had Patrick McInerney way ahead of He felt particularly that he should have done better. Roland Boyce had a chance too, but the chance that not many people seem to be talking about anyway was, I thought, well, Patrick was an mm, absolute was a massive chance. chance. And Riley got the byline when he brought him on. They stretched him a bit, got him across, and just like a President's Cup final, you're thinking, there you go, he's just going to slide down. But he just missed the ball completely, as I say. Maybe there was a wee nick or something, but that was a massive chance, I thought. And if Derry had taken the lead on Friday night at any stage, I don't think Dundalk were going to come back because not just for Derry paying them in. The attacking for they didn't really seem to be happening. No. Pat Hoogan was anonymous, which is great for Derry's point of view. Kieran yeah. Cole, the Shea Magnetti, the, the Mark Connolly. And then Pat Hoogan was taken off and sobbed him. You know, many times of Derry fans sort of went, oh, Hoogan's on. And he was sobbed because he did nothing, to be honest with you. Definitely. And, and, like he's, and we've seen Robbie Benson coming on. He's always a, a, a thorn in Derry's side as well, too. You know, obviously he's just coming back from injury as well, too. But with that... Oh, you're always thinking when he comes off the bench, always scores against Derry, but did nothing. They were really quiet. That's the, from from memory. The only chance that I remember them having was their shot on target was Greg Sloggett's from distance that Brian Maher saved. I saved. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Comfortably, I, I think I'd have saved it. And if I hadn't saved <laughs> well, it, you probably would have pulled a hammy. Too. Well, maybe I would have been told <laughs> to stay up for another. Let's not talk about hammies. We'll talk about hamstrings at the minute. Um, but but other than that, obviously they were like they were, they were always a. Uh, a big side as well too and their, their tactic from corner kicks as well we've seen that we've seen them doing it a few times this season already where they're, they just hem on the, the six yard box and it causes problems a wee bit of a nervy moment but other than that they had they, they offered very little and they that's did. that's all down to how well Derry played offensively big time and that, the, the thing offensively too is Patrick Magdalene in midfield was exceptional he was Praying passes left, right, doesn't matter where it was. Graydon was really on the Allen midfield. They really won that midfield battle. And it was just one of their nights where they just couldn't score. But it was probably their best performance this season, you know, you know, for, for a sustained period. Second half, 
they absolutely bombarded Dundalk. Now, we're keeping back that they didn't bombard him as in creating a lot of chances, as in Nathan Shepard had him make this save after save, but they just kept them piled on. And when Dundalk tried to get it out, just kept coming back to them and coming back to them. And that's, that's just frustrating because you didn't get that goal, which they really deserved. Yeah, on an hour night, they could have, like, it's just the points of the ball, if it, if, it, if it sits right or if patching. You know, normally would have tucked that away, as you said. Like you know, so it was just one of those nights. You have to accept that you get those nights where the ball just doesn't fall right for you. Like Shepard did make a fantastic save. I was chatting to Ben Doherty afterwards. That one that he hit, uh, he said it, it, it was going right under the That's corner, right. and he got his like literally his fingertips did. Yeah, it was a great save. Um, it did look good at the time as well. But he speaking to him, he says that was that would, was an outstanding save. You know, but um, you know, it was it was all in all. I think you, like as much as people were frustrated with it, you've got to you've got to take all the positives from that match. I know a clean sheet, um, you know, eleven points. But obviously, we're taking off top spot by Bowes on the on the night, but still, things have gone really well. Well, they have like and considering the amount of players uh, that that are that still have to come back in the squad, and you're just uh, I was happy that maybe five games in they're starting to find a, <coughs> a bit of form, and that's yep. that's good. Like because you know. We seen Shamrock Rovers down at Tala, and they were superb. They're no, no getting away with it. They were brilliant that night. They were very good then on the Monday against Cork, but defensively they let themselves down. We all accounts they don't see them at Shelburne, they can't get going. So they're playing well and not getting a victory. Yeah. They have got their victories and haven't played well. And, and a few of the games, so that just tells you it's, it's a good sign to be. Sign of champions. Well, 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 we need to pull the handbrake. I told you this last week. Hey, let us get a, let us enjoy it. Let us get excited. Yeah, let you be enjoyed and excited, right. but I'm still going to warn you, handbrake. Well, can we have the, the weekly fat segment? Because Well, you, over to you. <laughs> you don't mention them, and uh, like Rory Higgins said afterwards, that it was the for 70 minutes, I think, was the quote, that it was the best midfield performance he's seen in the League of Ireland, which is... A massive statement they make, and he, and he did preempt it by saying, I'm going to make a big statement here. But <laughs> then he proceeded to make the statement, which, and, and in fairness, it was it was a fantastic performance. Maybe the, the untrained eye, like myself and yourself, uh, you, you wouldn't have seen exactly the, the, what he's talking about here. But but you see him defensively. Like, i seen him picking up the ball, the, the loose ball in, the, in his own box, and then you know, taking a touch spraying a pass getting getting them taken obviously there was a great boy played from deep a deep line rule that he's playing and, and got Ryan Graydon as we mentioned to you a fantastic like he was really on fire as well too you know um, so we got him away down the, the right the right flank but he, he's a like we all know his talent but he really is got the butt between his teeth we, we were talking to him afterwards and he was really annoyed. Rupping. Right, rupping he was rubbing like he was, that he didn't want and he just wouldn't I told him what Rory Higgins had said about him and you know the, the plaudits that he was getting and he didn't mind no he says I'm just ready I've done one and, and it just shows you the mark of him like you know where it's that's that mentality where he's thinking this is a must opportunity for us we, we Shamrock Rovers draw on again too you know it's early in, in the season but that's that was the feeling in the immediate aftermath of the game well he's you know he's been there done that more than the teacher he knows when you get chances in league title races no matter if it's early lit or wherever you have to Pick them, just grab them with the two hands and the scruff and neck. And they had a chance, but we were right. There was one pass in particular, just come on them. And he, he just sailed over his shoulder, mm. he knows you're somebody. And he just switched the play quickly, they run and boys. 
and the whole place was just clapping away. But you were sitting there going, he doesn't even look. He just sort of knew. Yeah. I've, I've done a wee look just before the ball came. Then we've seen this place, and I've just switched the play. And if your if your wingers are green or boys and the fullbacks, it must be a joy to be just going. Well, I know I'm going to get it if I'm like their own because he's going to pick me out. And he's look. He definitely right. But the big thing is the butt between his teeth. He is so yeah. in the zone, and he has been since the cup final. Even speaking him, you know, leading up the cup final, he's going. We need to win. Mm-hmm. We need to win the cup final. We need to then want success. He is desperate for Derry City Football Club and has one playing club of success. And if you've got a player of that kept uh, to know a Baldy and stats here in the League of Ireland, having that, well, you're, you know, you're going to be up there challenging to put it like that. He's a real driving force, he is. Like, and, and that's, you know, the other, other players playing alongside him, you know, that's that they're going to raise their game accordingly as well. Isn't that the way it works? So, you know, he's, he's fantastic to have. Captain, fantastic. That's the end of the, the that's, segment that's for this a, week. That's this week's but, segment, folks. He's, he's, he's loving himself again. Fats, fats, Captain, fantastic. But, well, let's see what, that's what we thought of the match. Um, let, let's hear what uh, some of the Derry City fans thought of. Um, Mr. McKagan was, Luke was, was there after the match and uh, he got the thoughts of a, a few Derry City fans. Let's hear what they thought. All right, so what's your reaction to that result? Um, I thought it played very well in the second half. Just couldn't score. Um, a couple of good chances, but just, just couldn't put it away. Derry hammered them nil nil. Derry were totally dominant, but they couldn't score the night, unfortunately. That's, that's the way it went. That's the way it goes sometimes. And then the danger they would snatch a goal in a, in a breakaway. But much happier. The doc would be much happier with the result than we are. Yeah. We did everything but score. Much a better team. More to say about it. Sometimes it goes like that, even if you can put it in the net. But I was a bit disappointed in the dark in the second half. The players should have been better in the wear. The first half, the way they said it, second half, but the referee was soft, um, very lenient towards the front. A lot of fouls on the dark, persistent fouling, and he just let him to let it go. Uh, so I thought the referee, Robert. But soft performance for me. Had a lot of opportunities, just I just thought they should have won it at the end. You know, I mean, we created the chances, the better side, the second half, just uh, just probably pushed and pushed, but just couldn't score. The fans didn't seem too happy with the referee tonight. What was your thoughts on it? Uh, well, as a very city fan, you know the the referee always gets stuck. But after after Slugger could probably made four or five sort of fouls, two or three of them, he could have says he could have been sent off it, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you're fighting the FAI, but I thought he should have been sent off it, to be honest. Well, there they are. Uh, Derry fans probably similar to the players and the manager and everybody left. Derry dropped two points there uh, on, on Friday night. Any man there, I hear him saying he was disappointed in Dundalk, which was... I'm not surprised that you're more disappointed with Dundalk, but it's you know you know what Ellie's like you know he's pure football 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 and I know what he's trying to say that Dundalk probably weren't at their best, but I keep coming back to it. That's because Derry were and didn't let them be at their best. And yeah. Pat Hooven, normally a big player, doesn't get going at all. And, and I, I know a few fans were also talking about their their referee. Mr. Hennessy, Greg Slogan. Well, Greg Slogan was a lucky, a lucky boy. boy. They're no denying he, he was there to do a job and Patrick McElhinney for a while. It just doesn't happen. But, uh, <laughs> well, obviously, this is like, you know, you can't. <laughs> but, but definitely, there was, there, was, there was definitely two, potentially three, uh, boogable offences that he got away with, and he was uh, very fortunate. And, you know, that, that, that was frustrating for the crowd because they knew down to 10 men. 
they would have found a way through. You would. Well, well that's that. They were going to get deeper and deeper and down to ten. Yeah. And that's you know, it's the same we rubble the greens. You maybe don't get, but you sort of have to sort of roll the punches and keep it going. But you can see that you know the fans, in particular, were, were up in arms, and not just the fans. There's a few players at one stage were yeah. making a wee run down to the referee, going, "How many times yeah. here? No disrespect, Greg. You might be an old I've never seen Shane Exactly. I, I was fourteen. How long? There's more centre half. Right? You just can't down run up there that quick. But it is. It, it was a case of look, Greg. You're a lucky boy, in my opinion. You know, you've already picked up one, and you're putting mm. yourself challenges. Now people will say that. You know, what well, they're running in front of them, and what can they do? Well, they, they were on the break in a couple of times, like exactly. you know, so it was, it was without a doubt, a, a bookable offence. Funny enough, Stevie and all didn't agree. He sort of fought now. They weren't what Stevie was crafty in his day too, as they uh, would say when he, he was playing in Mudfield. He knew how to get away with. Um, well, obviously, the, the the big talking point on the night as well was was Mark Conley going down injured. I think there was a collective just say or uh, frustration, and you know. Uh, when he went down clutching his, his hamstring because it, it looked bad at the time. Um, you were talking to Rory Higgins there yesterday. We're, we're, we're recording this podcast here on Monday evening. Um, and Rory was basically saying, obviously, the results of the scan aren't back yet, but it doesn't look good. And it's a, it's a huge player to be missing for any period of time, whatever period that, of time that is. Ah, look, it is. He's been, you know... Absolutely outstanding. The man that he's come into the club, uh, he settled in like a doctor water. He really has bought into the whole ethos, the city and the and the, the, the club, and he's played a major role in any big games from your cup finals to your, you know, end this season. You're trying to get this done. He was always you always hear him in matches. Patrick Magnani even alluded to the fact of you know he's a big voice in the season. Mm-hmm. He still will be a big voice in the season. He still be there, but. Look, it's 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 a blow. There's no there's no two ways about it. You're hoping the scan results. It's not as bad as first feared. Uh, but look, whatever length of time he's going to be out, dare I have to man up again? Which to be fair, you've had to do quite a bit this year with mm. the, the four, five, six, whatever it is has been out at, at one stage this season. Yeah, well, well, that was fourteen minutes gone. When when you lose a player of that stature, there you you were just sort of. Scratching their head, going, "Well, not a, you know, it was, well, how are we going to come out of this one?" They, they reshuffled. Uh, they brought on Ronan Boyce, Kieran Call went on, Mister Versatile went on at that, that left side uh, and centre back. So, um, and and did fantastically. You know, he's 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 every manager's dream, I suppose, isn't he? Like you know, he, he uh, always at least a seven out of ten performance uh, every like, match. Yeah, and he can play in a number of positions, yeah. which he has proven this year. He's played left back, played right back, played centre half mm-hmm. now. And the thing that really impressed me in, in, in Friday night was he was up against Hooban. We're all, what's Hooban? We like, yeah. Didn't give him a snuff. Hooban had a good sub. But it was his passing out from the back. It really, he was zipping balls on the Jimmy McGonagall. Yeah. The front had come around from the back. And the way Rory Higgins wants to play too, he wants his defence to be playing a bit. Not, not what he's renowned <laughs> for either. It's, it's no, just a different he's, sort he's of... just a steady at yeah. left back. And, but... As I say, I was just sitting there. I think I, I don't know if it turned to your turn to Gary Fair or whatever. I just was going, look at the impasse. He was just yeah. whopping the Monday patching and the fat. And I was like, that's a proper. You know, he, he was really, really up for it. And it's time real confidence, isn't it? That time. And that's, you know, you know that, 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 that can only augur way off in the future. And, and it helps too that you, you can at this point and play in positions. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody would love everybody fitting everything great. But mm-hmm. it's great that you're having these boys that are coming on. Ben Doris come on, start on the left back. What's he going to be like? Come back, Myers League, all these questions. 
he saw it down too, superbly left back. Boyce was taking a while, he's come back and you know, so it's everybody protecting defence has had the play and it's again it's 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 Higgins the signings, you know, that these players can play the band Doris can play a midfield or left wing or wing back. Kieran Cole now, who would have thought he can play right back, left sided centre yeah. half and normally left back. Yeah, they are, and, and speaking of Ben afterward, Ben was saying, you know, that it was a real makeshift uh, defence when, when they had to reshuffle. They were getting their, because they were defending the corner at the time, um, they had to get out the instructions about their, their, who they were marking and everything else. But um, they played Kieran, uh, that left side of the centre half, and then Ben at the, the you know, left back. It was something that they haven't they haven't they done before. Was, uh, so that was a, it was, they deserve credit for the way they played there and they've actually complimented each other. Well, so that's two left pegs for the one. Let's go, right? You get forward, I can cover you. Because being a left back, too, Kieran Cole knows, right? Ben, I know what way we want to play. We want mm-hmm. to get you going forward. I'll come out and cover you and stuff like that. So it's, no, look, I was really, really impressed with, with Kieran Cole in particular. And as I say, because his distribution out from the back, it really impressed me. And, uh, look, don't get me wrong, I think everybody wants everybody fully fit again, but so far, touch wood, the, the, the boys that are coming in that haven't they so-called full in, they're doing more than full in, they're, they're going to give Rory Higgins a selection headache when everybody's available. Yeah, and they're going to need that going forward. Um, we asked Rory Higgins afterwards about Mark Conley, obviously the, the extent of, of the injury, you couldn't tell just straight after a match. Until they have that scan, as we said, but he, he suggested that there was maybe a, a lack of training on behalf of Mark Conley because he sort of wrapped around cotton wool. And he's played a lot of minutes. Uh, he's played every game. They, they managed to rest him for for UCD for half hour against UCD in the second half when the game was wrapped up at that stage. But other than that, he's played a lot of minutes. He's been carrying a, a hip injury as well, which means his, his time in the training pitch has has been limited. Um, well, I'll let you. I'll let Rory explain here. He, he, he talks a wee bit on detail about about Mark's injury and uh, and obviously the injury crisis that they're experiencing at the moment. Mark Conley, obviously, uh, that, that was, as we said there, like he wants it look like a hamstring injury, is it, Rory? It's a hamstring injury, but obviously you need to get him scanned uh, and see where it's at. It's obviously disappointing, but credit the the team that he didn't lose our focus and, and we actually got stronger and stronger and stronger as the game went on so Kieran Cole was excellent when he went in there as well and gave us real balance with the left foot on that side and uh, so listen it's it's kicking the teeth that we haven't won the game but it gives you real pride and, and uh, real pride and optimism going forward I suppose we're hopeful we're hopeful we might have a couple back uh, Maybe two, maybe two back, one out, uh, by the looks of things. So, um, all right, we'll see uh, how this week goes. And you always have to be mindful of, of throwing out names and, and, and times of people returning because you could say someone's a week away and then something happens in their, in their rehab that week and sets them back. So we'll not name names, but we're hopeful that we might have... Uh, if we're lucky, or sorry, if maybe one, if, if we're lucky two, but we'll, we'll see. It's, it's a lot of hamstring injuries too, really. It's, it's just unfortunate, obviously, that the recovery time for those. Uh, it's, like, it's, it's the third game in a week. And third game in a week, it's a hamstring injury. Mark's been nursing a, a small niggle in his, in his hip that he's been getting through over the last few weeks. And maybe the lack of training 
has, I don't know, but maybe the lack of training has caused it because we've been managing him over the last uh, over the last while, and, and maybe it's the lack of training has maybe come back to haunt him. But um, hopefully the scan's favourable and, and, and we can get him back and uh, and kick on. So I was worried just chatting about um, Mark Conley's injury, and and obviously he suggested that the. Because he was carrying that hip injury, uh, that, that might have come from that and the lack of training. But we've seen what, when it happened, he was sprinting for the for the ball game against one of the quickest players in the yeah, league, in the league. Who went down himself yeah, a, a few minutes afterwards, holding his hamstring. You know, so um, you know it was just so so unfortunate. And whether it's it's the lack of training and uh, all the minutes that he's played, he's had a tough preseason as well. Two of they all had so. There could be a lot of factors involved here, couldn't there? Well, it could surely, and I have to admit that was that was one of the concerns I've I've sort of had the last couple of weeks as Shea Magalini and Mark Connolly have played virtually every minute of every game, mm. and that counts pre-season because I was out in Spain when Dominguez got injured early doors, McJanet got injured, and they haven't really been seen since. Now McJanet played out at uh, some pats, but he had to come off. Shane and Marcus sort of played most of the minutes, if not all the minutes, and and pre-season, you know, people are going to be thinking, you know, what are you on because the season was started, but pre-season is always about all the squad getting minutes, not two players getting most of the minutes, and that's unfortunately the way things have went. But look, it's it's something we've talked about in all our episodes. Rory and his backroom team uh, are going to be looking at this when we strength and conditioning, the the physio, just everything, and and trying to you know. Put their finger on what the problem is. Is it the pitch too? All these things we've, we've been discussing. And to be fair, uh, I would say it's Rory Higgins and his background team will be doing the same. Definitely. I will, well, it's just a recurring theme. And, and it's right to call it a crisis at the minute when there's, there's so many key players out. Uh, Alan O'Reilly, Domingan, McJanet, um, you know, Michael Duffy is the big one as well too. Uh, uh, the two guys with ACL, like, which is um, unrelated to this, you know, so... But but the pitch is always the seems to be the factor that everybody's sort of alluding to. Is is it the the pitch? It's a hard pitch. It's a you know they're training on it. But then just sort of came to mind because I I would have thought that has to be a factor. But you were just saying to Cameron McJanet and their mind is that having Dominican they they sustained their injuries over in Spain, so mm-hmm. potentially unrelated as well. But but you've got to question it because. You know, the, the Derry City have, have come out and talked about it. They've said on record uh, that there were occurrences of injuries on the Brandeville surface since it's uh, they, they've lifted the, the surface from grass and moved to the 3G pitch. There's, a, there's more occurrences of, of injuries. They've said that. That's on the record. So that, you know, they're not the only sort of team or club or association, you know, that are, shall I say, not best pleased. I know Michael O'Neill this week was on with his announcement uh, of the Northern Ireland squad and credit to a former dairy man, Owen Toe, getting on the Northern Ireland squad, so it's great to see him getting called up. But Michael was asked about it and, and he says he's not a big fan of 3G pitches at all and he's seen it in Scotland coming on a lot and he's seen it now, obviously, in the Irish League in the League of Ireland and he feels it's not the way to go. He actually mentioned the Derry Rovers game uh, and the infrastructure to Tala and the grass pitch 7,000 there a great game they watch and you, yeah. he's sort of saying look we're a product in the, in the Irish League 
don't be getting on these three uh, G patches because it's not going to benefit you in the long term. And I use Derry and and, and uh, Rovers as, as the example. And, you know, having won the league as manager, Shamrock Rovers, they know just stuff particularly about both leagues. Yeah, well, they, they and they seem like uh, under UEFA directive, it, and and it seems that they're on their way out. There they will be eventually. Um, you know, with the microplastics issue, the environmental issues with that, and. Obviously, that's been alluded to the, the player injuries as well, too. You know, caused by it. So, um, we all know that that Derry City have plans on their foot as well, too, and and have put their case to the council about removing it and replacing it with a grass pitch or something, uh, maybe a hybrid pitch or something like that, too. Just as you say that, we actually got a question on from a, a Derry fan, Owen O'Neill. He was sort of asking us about the the plans for the new stand or even extending the Mark Farren stand. And then even a possibility of putting up a sort of a temporary stand behind one of the nets, could they do that? And also, more importantly, is he thinking, can the Brandable pitch be dug up, grass put on, or is that going to be a definite no-no with the council? So I know, Simon, you've had a sort of wee chat to follow up about these sort of, but we don't really have much news yet, would that be right? Well, no, I was actually looking for an update often because it's been a while since it was addressed to council. They've had a meeting that was before Christmas. Um, uh, these things take a bit of time. Then there was a bit of confusion as to the time scale of these, uh, you know, the works, the planning stages. There's a lot of different stages that it has to go through before you can get this. They start, you know, building for the, the terrace we're talking about. You know, then that's not going to be in place until next season. That will go ahead. That's that's been confirmed by the club and by council. So that's that's those plans are underfoot. Uh, now, obviously. I think that it was left. There has to be a multidisciplinary team appointed, and you know, I think it was the, the figure was seven thousand pound. Uh, they 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 sort of assess well, you know, the, you know, a cost at options appraisal report for on re, the replacing the existing brand oil surface. Now, because of the amount of money that that brings in the revenue for the council, I think that's it's you know which has risen exponentially like since they got the, the artificial pitch in. So it's, it's going that's to be, a sticking point. It's going now, to be a big sticking point. If, should we say, hypothetically, that, that somebody comes in, some benefactor or uh, potentially a chairman of a football club, decides that he, he'll foot the ball. And, put, and, and that's not you know, pie in the sky either because we know how much Philip wants this done. He knows how beneficial it would be to have a grass pitch back at the Brandywell. Um and it's all steam, full steam ahead, isn't it? Like in terms of his his vision. So I think his vision, as uh, as you're right, it's it's grass. It's definitely a grass pitch. It's trying to get work with the council and work with the other tenants of of the the Brandywell, the Ray McBride Brandywell. So that's the thing. You know, you're going to be talking the D and D. You're going to be talking the uh, uh, IFA and all. They do their coaching coaches there. You're also talking the obviously Institute play there every Saturday. So it's these wee things that you sort of have to negotiate, but no, with a man would say money talks. Money talks, surely, and and you know because it's going to cost if if they already replace it with an artificial pitch, which wouldn't suit anybody. Maybe the council. If they do, they're, look, we're going to be still big changes. They're going to put a water sprinkler system on. Yeah. If they do go back there for you, the likelihood is going to be a hybrid or or a grass pitch, which would obviously suit Derry City Football Club. The thing is. Council, like we have all these D and D teams as you mentioned, institute at the moment all playing it, but but the, the it's very reduced in terms of the hours. 
that they, they use the pitch, and that's at a request from Derry City, who are complying with UEFA directives about you know teams competing in, in Europe. Their, their surface of their playing artificial pitches has to be used a certain amount of uh, hours a week, yeah. which the council have have uh, facilitated for Derry as well too. So all that comes on the play. Like if they got a grass pitch, you know, and, and say Derry City followed, followed the ball for it, but they got the grass pitch, that then... Who, who decides how many hours this well, gets rented out? Well, it's just happened. That's not even just, you're right, but like if Derry playing Friday night and then Stuttgart playing on Saturday or there's a D&D Cup final, you know, AFA training the Thursday night. You know, the weller we have. Exactly, you know, we, we're, we're normally, uh, you know, it's not normally great weller that we have in this company. Like, so, uh, look, there's a lot that people are going to have to discuss and try and figure out and how they can do it. But as I say, uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Hopefully, Oh, and that sort of answers you a bit there in your in your question, but we are trying to get as much help as we can. But you know yourself, you're dealing with a lot of factors, not just there. City football club, and you're dealing with all of these type of answers. Yeah, and and I think uh, just listen to follow up. It'll be a while yet, maybe potentially next next month before there's there's any anything to report in terms of progress there. Uh, Paul Bloodsey may potentially come on as a guest, and and maybe we can put a few questions to him uh, at some stage next month or in the, in the coming weeks, you know, which would be fantastic to hear from him um, on, on that. Well, let's get back to that actually, then, only from, from, from Friday night, Kieran, and, and uh, obviously, Derry were knocked off their perch with that draw. Bohemians are, are going strong and replaced them at the top. they on the line doing a, a fantastic job down there. Well, that's up 2 0 victory. It's some pats where Mr. Clancy is probably going to get to a stage where. He's going to be looking over his hmm. shoulder shortly. You know, you look at, he plays Shamrock Rovers this week, and then there's a break, and that's the old to the old nightmare in the Premier League in England or in Scotland when there's a mid season or an, or an international break. It's normally when the, the hammer sort of is brought down on people. So, uh, some pats may look when they get something there. They, they, they need to get things going. Uh, you know, our winners was Johanna. Johanna beating UCD 1 0. Everybody else. Derry obviously no no and Shelburne Rovers draw no no and then obviously on Saturday night you had Cork again frustrated I would say two no up against Sligo and they finished two each Mata getting uh, the equaliser and with Keane again scoring for Cork there they nice. were very good that night we keep talking about the night at the Brandywell mm. they, they had two probably the two best chances that night so you look back at Derry's two 0 victory now it wasn't too bad was it mm. you know um, I think people weren't weren't overly impressed with the performance and and. You know, it's a two 0 one. You should just be, you know, rubbing your hands, going thank you very much. Especially against Cork, you're going to give people a lot of problems this season. But but if we talk about Shamrock Rovers, because um, it was an interesting sort of uh, aftermath there, their match where. Um, Sean Moore had a wee, shall we say, chat in inverted commas with the fans. With, uh, who are fans. Not best pleased with they're the start. Not, no, they're not. They're basically coming out with a few things and sort of saying, you know, get your act together and this and that. And, you know, Sean Moore saying, we kept a clean sheet. And I think the response was, I know, but you haven't got any ones. You haven't got any points, <laughs> which is not obviously right, but I think he should have said, I haven't got any ones. But the very fact that he's, he's interacting with them like that yeah. and, and coming and you know, these the fans are obviously they're a loud event as well too. You know, they're not used to Shamrock Rovers going so long without a one for a start. You know, they've, they've four, four five games under the league, league of Ireland season and they haven't won yet. Yeah. You know, that's they need to start sooner rather than later. We can everybody can laugh and joke and whatever. But it's not. Rovers, it's it's, it's, it's not a crisis, you know. But 
They need to get a victory, like, you know, mm. we sort seven of... Point, seven points is the toughest now between Derry and, and Rovers if they're going to be their main rivals. I think six points was the, the, the best lead Derry had over them last year before they had that month of May Yeah, that we all remember. But, um, you know, even at this stage, it's, it's a big lead to be having over them, isn't it? Oh, it is. You know, and as I say, it's just a case now of Derry trying to maintain it and preferably try to increase it, uh, which, as I say, Friday night, We'll be looking to do against against Lego at, at home, but look, it's it's interesting times, and and your Derry could begin the Friday night's game, knowing how Rose have done. They're kicking off early, and mm-hmm. you've done Dock and Drahada on Thursday night. No, so there's a lot of permutations going on before you even kick a ball. Ah, uh, so no, it's, it's it's interesting, and like you look at the league table, nobody on the right mind would be telling me that the bottom three would be Shamrock over some Pats and UCD before Bosley. No disrespect to UCD. Uh, you probably would have thought mm. they would have been down there. But the other two, you certainly doesn't think it. Pat, Pats and Rovers, you know, you were thinking, expecting them to be on the top three. That's uh, a, a crazy start. It's just, it's, it's hard It's hard to put your finger on on what's gone wrong for Rovers for the opening five games. And we, we can't stress enough that it's only the, the, we're only under the fifth game here. But, they, they, because they're playing as as you mentioned there, they're down at Tala against Derry. They were they were outstanding. You know some of the passages of play were were probably the best I've seen so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the players. You know there's a bit of there's consistency there from last year. A few guys who like uh, Johnny Kenny in there. He's been in the league before. He knows yeah. what it's all about. He scores goals. Burke. You know Bird as well too. These are guys that you know that have come from league league of Ireland teams. So. Um, you know, it's 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 hard they put the finger on there. Stephen Bradley, the way he reacts to games and he never gets too high, he never gets too low, does he? Like and it's you know, and I'm sure privately he's thinking, right, lads, what's going on here? Because uh, we get the one and then maybe things the mindset changes, the fans start, you know, No, I agree, like and as I say, it's because the way they're playing. And from Stephen Bradley, I'm not that concerned. I'm concerned I can get him one after five matches, mm. don't get me wrong. But he's watching them every week. He's watching how they're playing. They're playing good stuff. They're creating chances. Six seats. It could have been against Cork. That's what they're both sets. Of, anybody sort of watched the game, they're both sets of managers is that. But if you're Stephen Bradley, I still think Shamrock Rovers has a fair chance of giving somebody a hiding shortly. Mm-hmm. If they get their defence right, we know Lopez back, Daniel Cleary, who, to be honest, he has looked dodgy in a lot of the games I've seen. And then you've now Sean Moore coming back. And so defensively, get that right. They have enough going the other way that they could give somebody a hiding. So, so Pat's beware, to be honest with you, I think. Yeah, well, that's that's not what uh, Mr. Clancy wants to hear. No, it doesn't. But um, in terms of, of Sligo, who are the opponents on Friday night for, for Derry, you know, they're, they've, they've, they're, they're, they're so unpredictable, aren't they? Yeah, they, have, they are every season. And they are. It's just, you know, Liam Buckley was there, and they yeah. obviously hear John Martin, and Martin's on there, and you, you just are sitting there going, you're the most frustrating team. If I was a Sligo fan, I'd be going spare because they can get these results out of nowhere and you go, oh, that's a great result away from home. Yeah, when they play at the showgrounds, they're 2-0 down, they carp and you're thinking, ah, oh, we've lost there. You get her back, they two each, and you go, right, well, it's okay, but we didn't get going. They tell me, I actually watched that on Saturday night and they just didn't get going at all. And, and I'm not saying corporate world beaters or nothing, but they were comfortable and then they got the, the goal from a, a set play uh, and then the penalty. That was no disrespect. That was a shocker. That was Arnie Hunter, the ex Irish League referee, who's yeah. refereeing the game. And a few people are sort of saying on Twitter, uh, was it for a handball? 
but apparently people have sort of spoken to a few of the reporters, Jessica down there at Sligo, and she was sort of saying that, no, he gave it for the collision rather than any handball, and that sort of says it all. If he's given it for a collision, then no disrespect, and you need to wrap it up because that that, that was never a penalty. Like it was a that was a poor decision. So yeah. my point of view, they get out of jail because it was stoppage time when they got the, the equaliser. The thing is, we slag where they could come up with a bandy. Well, Max Mara's on form, he's scoring goals without Mark Conley. You know, it could be, you know, they're going to have to be on their toes, aren't they? That, that, that Derry City defence. Aye, and, 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 you know, they have the players. Obviously, Walt Fitzgerald, we know about the, yeah. when he was up here at Derry, you know, he can, he can cause problems, definitely, with his energy. And, yeah, you know, he's set up a couple of goals already this season. So, no, I think it's going to be another tight affair, but. I was so, just so impressed with Derry's second half performance and even more impressed with everybody he spoke to, his attitude mm. of they were absolutely ripping that they didn't beat the team who finished joint with them last exactly. year. You know, the yeah. Doc finished second, joint second with Derry, okay, Derry finished second, goal difference and all that, I get all that, but it just tells you how far Derry have come that they're leaving the ground, fans, players and manager alike going, we should have hammered them and that's says enough. So, uh, I'll let you do your first, you know, uh, instead of me giving the prediction, but you go ahead with your prediction for, for this weekend. What do you think? Oh, I'll just delay it slightly. <laughs> but um, just just release to Danny Lafferty because he hasn't played that's a couple right, of games. It'd be good to see Danny Lafferty up as well, too. Um, obviously, Ben, ben Doherty, his replacement there, is going to be uh, probably starting the left back as well, too. So it'd be nice to see both of them on the pitch just to see, see. How, <laughs> how we get on. But no, I'm looking forward to the game. I think. I think the way that everybody was chatting to uh, they was after the match and, and how annoyed they were with the performance, they knew that they can produce they produce that same same kind of energy and, and performance. They'll get the goals. The goals will come. Uh, they'll, they'll want to start in the front foot against Sligo, especially if they're, they're taking a while to get, get into games as well, get into their stride. So I think they are going to you to the fact that the, the timing of the, the, the kickoffs as well too, um, they'll be very aware of that. So they'll be doing everything in their power to get the one here before you go into the break, hopefully get a few bodies back. And if that's the case, if they get, uh, you know, something with 14 points, you know, after that first run of games on the international break, they will be delighted with that. I think Daria won. I think Daria won comfortably as well. And I'm going to go 2-0. Not bad. I was... I was going to probably go 2 0 myself, but, <laughs> but uh, uh, well, uh, because I was going to go 2 1. I was going to go 2 1, but then I've done that last week, so I don't want to be the same. How'd that get on? Well, I don't put it like a shelf, like, but anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. I think Derry, Derry will win, so I'll go one better than you. I'll go 3 0, Derry. Uh, I just think mm-hmm. while Mata is on fire and he is scoring goals, I think Derry will be well in the zone. They, they deal with Mata uh, and. I'm going a, a Derry 3-0 victory and never know, both might drop points and you could be sitting top of the table again, get on the, yeah. the international break. It'd be yeah. a nice way to do it. You know, that that Bulls game's coming up shortly after the break as well, too, on Monday night, doesn't it? So that's that's one they look forward to, a bit testing one. Yeah, well, surely, well, surely. And look, just before we finish up here, folks, we didn't thank Dara last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we should just thank her every week. Let's just call a spade and spade <laughs> here, Simon. There's going to be a chance... She had a absolutely save her bacon last week completely. And there's going to be a, a cert this week and probably every week she's going to be involved in it some way. So we'll just put this out there now. Dara, thanks every week for your help. <laughs> uh, but that's us, folks. Uh, join us uh, next week where hopefully, as I say, Dara will have another victory. And uh, 
We'll see you next week. See you, folks. See ya. We'd like to thank the children of Greenhall Primary School for the podcast jingle. And any silly fans out there with anything they want to ask us, they can email us simon.collins at dairyjournal.com or myself, kevin.mcgohan at dairyjournal.com. Also keep an eye on social media on Twitter at dairyjournal and on Instagram at dairyjournal underscore. Make sure you like, follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a beat as we follow the fortunes of Dairy City Football Club.